You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to another New York Giants Victory Monday podcast here on Valentine's Views. Giants, of course, beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-17 on Sunday. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View radio network. Joining me as always on Monday morning is Big Blue View's Tony Del Genio. And Tony, another uh, another reason to smile. And and I, and I have to ask you, uh, you know, this morning, have you, have you got any fingernails left? <laughs> yeah, really. Hardly, hardly any after yesterday. But uh, this morning, I'm just uh, looking down uh, from the view up at six and one. Uh, and uh, I'll take it. <laughs> I think all Giants fans will take it. And listen, the Giants obviously, you know, entered Sunday's game as an underdog, obviously still not getting a ton of respect nationally, ton of respect from from Vegas odds makers, all of that. But it's really, really difficult to look at this right now and try to make an argument that it's a fluke. The fact of the matter is the Giants have won six out of seven games. All seven of their games have unfolded in very similar fashions. The Giants are a good football team, maybe not the most talented football team on the field, you know, on some of the Sundays that that they're out there, but they know what they are. They play a certain way, relying on Daniel Jones, relying on Saquon Barkley, relying on their defense keeping games close into the fourth quarter and relying on, on the other teams to lose games in some ways, which, which has, which has happened over and over. And, 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 you know, saying relying on other teams to lose might not be giving the giants enough credit, but they're not making mistakes at the ends of games while other teams are. And, and I guess the the point that I'm getting to is at some point, everybody has to come to the realization that this is not a fluke. Well, you know, I think there's obviously there's a little bit of luck involved in getting to six and one when, when virtually all of your games come down to the, to the final plays and you, I don't think you can rely for an entire year on winning games that come down to the, to the final plays because sooner or later that's going to jump up and, and bite you a couple of times. And so there is a little bit of luck involved, but I think what's, to me anyway, what's really going on is that the Giants are winning in a way that the NFL does not expect teams to be able to win in the year 2022. 
and the league hasn't gotten their arms around that yet and the and the 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 sports establishment hasn't gotten their arms around how the giants are going about winning and so they don't get as much credit as they really should get but as you say they're consistent they're winning more or less the same way every single week and you you sort of know what's coming at least in the overall structure of things you may not know the details that are coming and so there was a little surprise yesterday that that Kaka opened up the game with with passing plays instead of running plays understandably since since Jacksonville is a very good team against the run and poor against the the pass but but the Giants overall formula for how to win has been pretty consistent throughout the season and it's not what the quote unquote book says you're supposed to do to win in the NFL today and therefore people still doubt the Giants yeah, I think you make a good point there, Tony. I think a lot of it is, first and foremost, on offense, the Giants rely on the running game. They rely on Saquon Barkley. They rely on Daniel Jones to, to run the football. They get just enough from the passing game. They rely on Jones to make good decisions. They rely on winning the turnover battle. They rely on capitalizing on mistakes by the other team you know again you know I had talked to Mike Lombardi last week and he said over and over this year Jacksonville which is a terrible fourth down team terrible short yardage team has gone for it on fourth down and failed over and over they've turned down opportunities for points and made mistakes that that have cost them and and all of that played out again on Sunday. So we see this formula for the Giants. And will it work later in the season when, when the Giants are up against the Philadelphia Eagles, when they're up against the Minnesota Vikings, when they're up against better teams that are less likely to make these costly mistakes and, and costly decisions? I don't know. But... The Giants do deserve credit, and at this point, it's just impossible to say, oh, they're just lucky to be 6-1. and one. Yeah, I think, you know, the Giants season really starts a month from now on Thanksgiving night when they, when they play at Dallas, and from then on, they've got uh, mostly games against Dallas, Philadelphia, one against Minnesota, another surprising team that's 5-1. That's and one. They had a bye this week. And, uh, and then we're going to really see how good they are, but it, you know, it shows you how little we really know about the NFL that people just cannot predict a lot of things about how a season is going to go. There are certain things that people were able to predict before the season started, like Buffalo is going to be a great team. Kansas city was going to be a great team. And, and, and they're, they're certainly turning out to be that way, but everybody was denigrating the NFC East again. And you look at the NFC East now, and objectively, the NFC East has three of the top teams in the NFL. And even the fourth team, Washington, is not a terrible team at all. They just, you know, they're, they're a mediocre team. They're not, they're not an awful team. And you can make the argument that the NFC, is the NFC East is the best division in football. Nobody thought that coming into the season. And the Giants are just per perhaps the foremost example of that obviously no one at all saw a six and one coming and uh and you, sometimes you just have to start believing what you're seeing with your eyes and realize that this is a really well coached team with a lot of players with a lot of heart 
who carry out what the what the coaching staff wants them to do as best they can and and it shows up absolutely tony and we talk about brian dable and the impact of this coaching staff every single week but i think we just have to i think that the giants entered the season and everybody said oh it's the beginning of a rebuild and in some ways it is the beginning of a rebuild but the more that that you watch the more that you begin to to think at least i do i begin to to think that maybe just maybe while there are flaws on this roster on the maybe the interior of the offensive line at wide receiver at inside linebacker maybe just maybe this roster at least the front end of the roster the top guys on the roster maybe there's more here than we thought was here and what we're seeing is Brian Dable Mike Kafka Wink Martindale able to tap into it able to do what we've talked what coaches talk about all the time figure out what players do well let them do it, you know, get buy-in. So maybe you, you just can't – I don't think there's any way to to give Brian Dable and his staff enough credit. Mm-hmm. I'll remember back to, to Joe Judge's opening news conference after he was hired by the Giants a couple of years ago, and he made this point, which I agreed with entirely at the time. He said – I don't know, it might not be the exact quote, but he said, don't tell me what they can't do. Tell me what they can do. and this coaching staff now is showing that how you actually go about doing that. They're figuring out what these guys are good at and they're giving them situations in which they can demonstrate that they're good at these things. Absolutely. And they're getting enough buy-in and enough execution and enough good decision-making that it's working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, I mean, it's amazing, actually, how similar these games are from week to week. It's almost laughable. You, you watch these games, and I mean, this is what's going through my head as I'm watching the Giants now. I'm sitting there through the first half saying, okay, just don't let the game get out of hand in the first half, because if you, if you get to halftime within a few points, within a touchdown, or even within 10 points or something like that, you know, go into the second half. I know that in the second half, they're going to come back. And in fact, I believe Wink Martindale at, at a presser last week or the week before, I think, was actually asked by one of the reporters uh, whether whether he changes his play calling going into the second half and the fourth quarter, especially. And and he admitted that he he holds a lot of things back, or at least holds some things back, until the fourth quarter rolls around, and that's when he unleashes some of his, his more aggressive plays. And so I think that's that's part of it. I think it's almost like a a concerted attempt by the coaching staff to just you know keep things in half until the game is sitting there waiting to be won and then we're going to give you our best shot and and take the game from you and and you you just see that all the time you also see that on offense in the running game where they you know yesterday the giants were being mostly stuffed in the running game uh, uh when they tried it and so they tried a lot of passing in the first half and and sometimes successfully too 
But when the fourth quarter rolled around in warm weather with the other team's defense maybe starting to tire a little bit, all of a sudden it was the steady dose of Saquon Barkley in the fourth quarter over and over and over again uh, when they when they were worn down and suddenly the running game starts to click in the fourth quarter. Right, And I think on both sides of the ball, Tony, what's really noticeable is particularly in reference to the offense last year with Jason Garrett, the year before with Garrett, I used to look at the Giants offense and and I used to think, well, they're just throwing darts. You know, one one play call doesn't make sense in context of the next or in context of what happened and and why they ran a trick play at this time or that time doesn't make sense. They just they just decided to dial it up and see what would happen. And I think what you watch with this Giants coaching staff, with Mike Kafka calling plays on the offensive side, obviously, you know, with a lot of during the week input from Brian Dable and, and with Wink Martindale on, on the other side is one thing builds to the next. There's a reason yesterday for coming out, throwing the ball on six of the seven or seven of the eight of the first offensive plays. And the reason was to to break a tendency, to to loosen the defense, to allow them to later on get to Saquon, which is what they wanted to do. But and you see the same thing with Wink Martindale holding back some of his exotic blitzes for critical times, and and I think it's it's just great credit to this coaching staff, as you, as you said, Joe judge came in talking about the whole, don't tell me what players can't do. Tell me what they can do. And then proceeded for two years to coach. Like he knew there were certain things his players couldn't do. And and this it's so refreshing to see the giants attack, be aggressive, have the coaching staff show belief and 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 be six and one it's it's crazy you know i wrote last night that it's insane which it is it's just nobody saw as you've said nobody saw it coming and and the other thing that that's amazing is now all of a sudden daniel jones isn't a meme anymore all of a sudden daniel jones is getting praise from national media there are all sorts you you go online and you see when are the giants giving him a contract and i said last week that as this continues with daniel jones it becomes more and more unfathomable to see the giants moving on from jones at at the end of this season i was blown away I, I, not by the decision making not by the running of Daniel Jones, not by, not even by the the passing numbers of Jones, which should have been far better than they were because his receivers let him down a number of times on Sunday. He could have had a 24 out of 30 day for something close to 300 yards with a little bit of help from his receivers. What blew me away and, and, and what you're continuing to see with Daniel Jones is growing leadership growing comfort and i loved loved the fire that he displayed on sunday I, as i wrote at big blue view last night he has nothing to apologize for 
which he did the classy thing. He took Marcus Johnson off the hook last night in his post-game press conference. He did what Eli Manning would have done. You know, he took him off the hook. But I loved the display of emotion when that play, you know, when Johnson dropped that pass. I loved the display of emotion after his 24-yard run when he thought he should have gotten more. I love that fire. I love that leadership. I love that, you know, this isn't good enough. You know, from from the quarterback, the leader of the football team, he's playing well enough to absolutely have the right to hold his teammates to a higher standard. Absolutely. And and I think he now has the respect of everyone on the Giants team, as well as the coaching staff, I believe. And, you know, now actually he's starting to show up in metrics like expected points added. Uh, and uh, uh, he started to show up among the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. And uh, there are some other unfamiliar names up there, but but the fact is right now he's just performing at a very high level. Again, it's just that the way he does it is a little different from the way some of the other top quarterbacks do it. And as you say, his supporting cast is really not helping him very much. He had 202 passing yards yesterday when, as you said, he could have, could have had 300 if he had receivers who could hold on to the ball. And, you know, I, I, I watch, I mean, I, you, know, you become an NFL junkie because the NFL is on all the time now. And sometimes on Sunday you can watch when they're playing in Europe, you can watch four games in one day and then you've got Thursday night and then you've got Monday night and so on. So you can, you can just, unless, unless you're, unless you're watching the Yankees implode. Unless you're watching the Yankees implode, but that's, that's over now. (laughs) That long national nightmare is over now. (laughs) Yes, yes it is. It didn't come out well, but, um, but I watch other teams now and, and I'm just not as interested when I watch the other teams because I see them doing very pedestrian things. You know, yeah, you can watch Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and they're, they're really fun to watch, but you know, you watch the Los Angeles chargers now and Justin Herbert, who's supposed to be this, this all world young quarterback that giants fans wish we could have had instead of Daniel Jones, though Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator has, has him running. What's what, what you, you know, you might almost imagine is a Jason Garrett style offense, like the one that, that, that the giants ran the last couple of years. And you look at it and say, God, how can you have this talent? And you just run these, these very conservative plays and you don't take shots downfield. And there's no creativity in the, in the past patterns and things like that. And you look at a lot of the other teams in the NFL and you're seeing, you're seeing some of this, the same thing uh, among a lot of the, the mid range teams in the NFL and and when you look at the Giants instead, I think they're they're giving Giants coaches are giving Daniel Jones more and more of an opportunity to win the game rather than rather than just avoid losing the game early early in the year. Those first couple of weeks in particular, I would say um, against Carolina and even against Chicago. Uh, to some extent, before he he injured his ankle, I thought they were playing with him more to to kind of keep him from from doing anything that would that would be a disaster. But the last few weeks, you I think you can see them starting to lean on him to actually win the game for them, win because of him, as 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 people are saying these days about franchise quarterbacks, winning because of him, and he's looking like a franchise quarterback the last month, which uh, a lot of people never thought they were going to say. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Tony, I want to ask you, I have been steadfast when it comes to looking at the Giants and saying that this is all really nice and it's a lot of fun and and it gets to six and one and and you have to realize as i've said it's it it can't be a fluke at this point we're seeing the same kinds of things over and over and over and yet we know what the holes are on this team and especially wide receiver and and it leads me to to ask you about the your thoughts about the trade deadline i have said again and again that it has to be about the future. It can't be about just 2022 if the Giants make a move. First of all, they don't have the salary cap space to make a big move for an expensive, you know, for, for an expensive player. But I think the more that they win and the more that you look at what they what they can use. If you can find a wide receiver who might be an incremental upgrade, and I wrote, you know, I wrote about Denzel Mims of the Jets and and maybe Therese Marshall of the Panthers as guys you might be able to get for a seventh round pick. I think you do that. If you're gonna make a big move and you can get DJ Moore from the Carolina Panthers for something less than a than a first round pick. That's a guy that's going to cost you a million dollars, maybe, for the rest of this year, which you can afford. He's a number one wide receiver signed for the next three seasons. I think you have to think more and more about, while it has to be long-term, you have to think more and more about maybe trying to add something, at least something incremental to what you've got. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. I I don't want to see them give up a uh, a high pick in next year's draft for anyone. You know, it depends on what you what you call high. Certainly, certainly not first round. Uh, I would say not second round either. Frankly, I I think there's there's too much at, at stake in those rounds to do it. But anything from from third round onward, we can talk about it. So if you're talking about somebody like Moore from Carolina. Well, that's a, that's a quality guy who's not going to affect the salary cap, as you say, much at all this year. So they could, they can do it and who signed for a few years. So you've got them under contract at a somewhat reasonable price for, for an excellent wide receiver. I'd make that trade if it involved, let's say third round and, and lower picks. You, you take someone who's languishing on the bench, like, like Denzel Mims or, or Terrace Marshall, 
uh, I'd absolutely take a flyer on one of those for a seventh round pick or even a future sixth or, sure. you know, or, or something are... like that. Why, you know, why not take a chance on, on those guys? And, and, and they, they fit the bill also not only of being potentially good wide receivers, but the type of wide receiver that the giants don't have right now, which is big wide receiver. They don't have, not, they don't have that X guy. Not to mention they're both guys on rookie deals, both guys who, it's not about necessarily the rest of the 2022 season. It's about, hey, let's take a flyer on this guy. Maybe he can be, you know, what what Kenny Galladay hasn't been for us. That's right. You know, maybe he can be an upgrade from what Marcus Johnson is giving us. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of move that that I think, if you can make it, you make it. Tony, couple more topics today. You and I were going back and forth last night about Saquon Barkley. And and I won't kill Saquon for the play, for the last play, for the the one where that was actually reviewed and you know and it was overturned and you just knew I had this I had this sinking feeling as soon as they put all that time back on the clock. I mean, that's what 40 some seconds they put back on the clock. I had this sinking feeling that that was going to kill the Giants and they were going to wind up losing that game by a point because of all that all that time and it darn near played out that way but I thought maybe they weren't as egregious but in that last 4 minute drive I thought there were back to back plays I think it was Saquon's first two carries in that drive where he could have stayed in bounds could have gotten down allowed himself to get knocked out of bounds. And I thought you could see from his reaction that he thought he should have stayed in bounds on both of those plays. You make any one of those plays and, and, and Jacksonville gets the ball with maybe 20 seconds to go in the game. And, and the whole last minute of all that nail biting, all that, that craziness doesn't unfold. It just doesn't get to that. Yeah. And I hope, that's a lesson that he's learned after yesterday. And I, I have to, I'd be very surprised if the coaching staff isn't, isn't drilling that into him uh, and everyone else this week. Um, I, I, I'll give him a pass just because he's had such a, such a great season, but, but you know, I thought that last play that put the 45 seconds back on the clock was just terrible. I watched him going towards the sideline and it looked to me like he was going to, he was going to just slide and stay in bounds. I said, Oh, great. Just like last week, he's going to do that purpose uh, purposely. And, and, and that's really smart football. And then when I saw him slide, I said, Oh no, I think he went out of bounds. And then they, and then they called it that he was in bounds and, and there was really, you know, just 25 seconds left on the clock. And I breathed a sigh of relief. And then, and then I saw that they were reviewing the play and I said, Oh no. Uh, and I thought he had a chance to go down sooner. That's the thing he could have, he, he could have taken one or two fewer steps and gone down and been just fine. And, and that would have happened. And I agree with you on the two earlier plays where he went out of bounds. I was wondering whether he might try to just stay in bounds and, and do that also. So I think there's, Again, there's always lessons to be learned uh, there, and you you have to hope that the coaching staff has drilled that into him so that he won't make that same mistake again. They were very lucky, really, to to get out of there alive yesterday after after that happened. Yes, they were, Tony. While we're uh, we're we're live streaming here on YouTube, and I'm watching some of the comments float by, and we were talking about DJ Moore a minute ago, 
And uh, one of our viewers is asking us if, uh, or is asking us to clarify DJ Moore's cap hit, saying that he thought that Moore had a $20 million plus cap hit this year. He does not have a $20 million plus cap hit this year. He has a $6 million cap hit for the Panthers. He has a $1.035 million base salary. And all that the Giants would be responsible for is either a prorated portion of that base salary or all of that base salary if it's fully guaranteed. And I do not know the answer to that part, but at most, Moore would cost them $1.035 million for this year. He does have cap hits of more than $20 million from 2023 through 2025, but the Giants are in good cap shape you know, at this point heading into next year, the cap will go up. It's the, they'll probably move on from Kenny Galladay and, and save some cap money there after this season. So the cap hit from 2023 to 2025 is something that the giants could handle. And that 1.035 million for this year makes it such that that they could squeeze him into their cap for this year. Just to clarify that Tony, last thing to mention is uh, we have to, uh, we have to offer our, our thoughts and, uh, and our, and cross our fingers for, for Daniel Bellinger, Evan Neal and, uh, and Ben Bredesen, three guys that, that looked like they suffered, you know, tough injuries yesterday. The, the Bellinger thing, especially, especially scary. Look at how swollen that eye was. And we saw the photo of, of all the blood on his Jersey and eye injuries can be life-changing, not just, uh, not just impacting football, but can be life-changing. So, so fingers crossed for all three of those guys. Yeah. So Tom Rock of Newsday is reporting this morning on Twitter I guess, and in, and in Newsday, but I saw it on Twitter that uh, he's probably going to require eye surgery, but he does have vision in the eye. And so that last part is is good. The first part is is not great for him and not great for Giants fans because he's probably going to be out for a while and who knows how long that that might be. But but the important part is the second part that that he does still have vision in the eye. And so for his sake, hopefully there are no long term uh, effects from that. And uh, we'll see what's happening with with Evan Neal and, and Ben Bredesen. Looks like the the old sprained MCL uh, injury that seems to be contagious among Giants players hit hit Evan Neal, too. But uh, I guess we'll find out more about that today. That's what it sounds like. And uh, which which means, you know, four or five weeks anyway for both of those guys. And uh, I, I the last thing I'll say about that is as soon as I saw those guys going down last night, the uh, the light was going off in my head that the Giants have to make a decision this week about whether or not to activate Nick Gates or not. Mm-hmm. And again, fingers crossed that they've seen enough, that he's healthy enough to come in, be part of this roster, and play because at this rate, he's going to have to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'll say is that you didn't really notice it on the field all that much no, after, after they went out right because the giants ran the ball in the in the second half and they ran it they ran it to both sides and uh 
so so the guys that they're throwing out there on the offensive line are, are are at least kind of getting the job done for them you know not as not as well maybe as you as you'd like but yeah it would be great i you know every giants fan would love to see nick gates come back i, I you know selfishly as as a fan because because he looked like he had real potential and 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 everybody i think just just loves him and you'd love to see him make it all the way back after that horrific injury he had uh but but uh you know i think it, you know, it's it, it's it's an amazing story for him, and you you just like to see him get back on the field for for his own sake. The other thing I wanted to mention, though, about you know about injuries and, and all of the injuries the Giants have, is I thought yesterday maybe we saw the effect of of and I can't believe I'm saying this of O'Shane Zimenez being being out with with an injury because Jacksonville ran at will and and the Giants were not setting the edge. Uh, at all and and Zimenez who was supposedly terrible about that uh, with that when when he first came into the league has been really playing well setting the edge this year and I thought the Giants really really missed that uh, from him and so I'm hoping he's not out too much longer uh, either but I don't know you know how that's going to go but but yeah getting back to the offensive line the Giants are managing to still have an effective run and pass blocking performance despite the injuries despite the inexperience in several places on the line and uh again i think that's a testament to bobby johnson that he's got these guys thinking they can play absolutely tony and uh you know with with that uh the giants are are on to the seattle seahawks and uh we i think we're gonna wrap it up here so uh giants fans thank you as always for listening Please remember to stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.